0: Amen. We serve an awesome God, a mighty God. And, um, you know, we sing the song, we're stepping out on faith for the glory of His name. We're stepping out in faith for the glory of His name. You know, this morning at the end of our service, we're going to be receiving an offering for uh, churches Touching Lives for Christ. uh, A ministry that we're a part of here in Temple uh, where we help feed uh, some of the homeless people and some of those that go without in our, our city. And um, we're also receiving, uh, during this time, an offering, a uh, Texas Baptist Mission offering uh, for the state of Texas. Um, and the, the reason we do that is so that others in the state of Texas will know about Jesus and what He has done for, for them as well. And then we're also receiving an offering. It seems like we have lots of offerings. That's good. Because we're wanting to step out in faith for the glory of His name. And so we're also raising an offering for water wells in Kenya. And to me it's a beautiful thing. We're going to be traveling, sending a team there next month. And we're wanting to raise money for another water well, uh, about thirty-five hundred dollars. Um, but there's things that we can do to step out in faith for the glory of His name. We have that opportunity before us, and I, I know that uh, you know we. It, it seems like we're, we're giving, giving, giving. Aren't we called to give? Me, are we are we are abundantly blessed. And and you know to me it's a it's a, a to whom much is given much is required. You know this morning I just want to focus in, if we might, on prayer, and our model for prayer in Matthew chapter six. And um, you know we often call this section of of uh, the Sermon on the Mount the Lord's Prayer. And uh, isn't it amazing that <laughs> Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer in the middle of a lesson about praying with meaning, and then the prayer He gave us becomes the most common, most frequently repeated rote prayer in the history of humanity. I mean, for some, the Lord's prayer might be a punishment instead of a prayer. As in, for your penance, say 30, our Father's. I imagine that the original intention of that kind of assignment was to get the person to meditate on the truths expressed by our Lord. But I think along the way it loses its meaning. Somehow, when we just say the same thing over and over, that somehow it may not be coming from right here. See, the Lord's Prayer is not the best name for this passage. If you really want to find the prayer of our Lord Jesus, you're going to need to look in John chapter 17. And it's not a prayer that we could ever pray because it is a prayer that was offered by Him as our great high priest. Just as He gave Himself as a sacrifice for your sin and mine. See, if any prayer deserved to be called the Lord's Prayer, it's that one in John 17. A better and more accurate name for the prayer in this morning's passage, we're going to read it in just a moment, would be the disciples' prayer. Because it's a prayer meant to be prayed by Jesus' followers. It's not a prayer that Jesus himself would would need to pray. After all, he is the sinless Son of God. He would never need to ask the Father to forgive him his debts or, or ask not to lead him into temptation in the way that we would. Instead, it is a prayer that He is offering to His disciples, to us. It is a a prayer as an example of what it is and what should characterize our own prayers. For that reason, it is the model prayer. The model prayer. It's an example for us to follow in our own prayer time as a follower of Jesus. Read with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 6. I want to begin in verse 7 and read down through verse 15. And Jesus said this, he said, When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice of your of Your life for ours. That You bled out and died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, I ask in this moment, in this time, that You would lead us into truth. That You would show us the truth of where we are and where You desire us to be. Holy Spirit, I ask that You would bring conviction. I pray that You would bring repentance upon your people we love you father and it's in Jesus name we pray amen notice if you will with me in verse 7 Jesus says when you are praying do not use meaningless repetitions vain repetitions the Greek word here that is used for the phrase vain repetitions is an interesting one. It's a word that, it, 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 it's the word batalagao, uh, batalagao, okay, it's hard to say, but batalagao. And it comes from combining the Greek word for expressing oneself through utterance, through what you say, but it also combines that with the word for stammering, okay. Bata It's an automatopoetic word, which means that it makes the sound, automatopoeia, okay, Automatopoetic poetic word, that makes the sound that which it symbolizes. Okay? And so someone who just babbles away thoughtlessly is saying, bada bada bada, bata bada bada. And the word legeo signifies the act of just pointlessly speaking in a bunch of words repeated over and over without any purpose or personal thought. And that's what he means when he says vain repetitions. Bada, bada, bada. Our phrase, blah, 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 might convey the same kind of thing. You've heard people say it. They say, oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, Blah, 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 bada, bada, bada. That's what he says here. Our father isn't impressed with the number of times we repeat the same phrases over and over. And sometimes we do so without thought before him. And they just come across to him and his ears as bada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And the reason is, is because there's no meaning behind them. We're just saying them. But if we're totally honest, we've all prayed at times with our eyes closed and our mind somewhere else. We've all been guilty of praying vain prayers in some form or another. So this is a call for us to think carefully about what we're saying to our Father. Think carefully about what we are saying to Him when we are praying. See, we want to make our prayers genuine and sincere from our heart. Jesus told His followers to address their prayers to God. He used the word Father as a characteristic word of God. The title describes fatherhood as its best. Authority, goodness, love. Father, that word, it it implies relationship. It implies that, that, that we belong together. See, God is as accessible as the most loving human parent. There is no reason why we can't go to him in prayer. Each time we pray, we are to recognize the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father and His presence in our lives because we are professing our faith and trust in the One who is able to hear and to answer our prayers. I mean, think about that. I mean, the the, the expression of heaven, our Father who is in heaven, describes the separateness of God. Yes, He's intimate, He's here, He's with us, but He's also separated from us. Since God is Father, He is our Holy Father. See, the followers of Christ have a right to say, our Father. (laughs) Becoming a child of God comes through putting our faith and our trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Who gave his life for us? See, prayers are to be addressed to our personal, holy Father. Do you realize what a wonderful thing it is that we may call God our Father? Our Father. My point is this Jesus is the only begotten Son. He's the only son of God. And here he invites us to call his own beloved father, our father. And by implication, we are to see ourselves as coming before him as his children, as a child of God, as belonging to him. In fact, after Jesus rose from the dead, he told Mary to tell the other disciples, he said it this way. He said, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. See, he made a distinction in the relationship because he is uniquely the son of God. We are also 100% sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, but He is the only begotten Son, and we are His children by adoption. There's a distinction there. He is the Son of God, and we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, are children of God. You see, unbelievers, whatever else they may say, or whatever else they may think, They do not have the right to address God as our Father. Understand this. They are not His children and they do not have the right to approach Him as if they were. That right only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ and accepting His sacrifice for my sin. Then I become a child of God. John tells us in his eyewitness account he says but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name who are not born who excuse me who are born not of blood not of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but are born of God it's that born again process whereby we become children of God so we are to address our prayers to God, our Father. What a great privilege that is. See, Jesus told his followers also about their responses to the Father. And the things of God are the consuming interest of the Christian in prayer. When we, when we follow Jesus Christ, we should be consumed in our prayer with the interest of the things of God. And there's three concerns I want to I give you this morning... That are needed in our prayers. And first is a concern for God's reverence. A concern for God's reverence. Jesus said it this way. He said, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallow means to treat as holy. To hold in reverence. To give a unique place to. I mean, the word holy actually means something along the lines of reserved. God is holy. He has a unique place, unlike anyone else. When we speak of God's name, what we really are saying is God Himself. When we speak in God's name, when we talk about God, we are con- re- referring to Him Himself. And this first request was a longing to see God treated as special. To set him aside that there's something unique about God. He's not like us. He is for us. He created us. But he is different. He is separate from us. We don't have the words in our language to describe who God is. To truly hallow his name means that we see him as Lord over all. Oh, we have the right through Jesus Christ to call him our father. But do we make him Lord? See, when his name is hallowed, we can never say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. Or we can't say, no, not me, Lord. The only appropriate response when we have hallowed God's name is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, Jesus wanted believers, His disciples, to have a profound respect for God. As we come before the Lord in prayer, we need to come before Him with a sense of His majesty, with a sense of His holiness. That we are coming before the Lord of all creation. That we are coming before the most powerful force this world could ever know. When He speaks things into being... Who are you that you would come before Him in any other way? And that's what Jesus is saying. Humble yourself before the Lord. Give Him the rightful place. See, our prayers are not being offered to a sinful people who are influenced by the lusts and desires of the flesh. We are offering our prayers to the only one who could answer them. The one true living God we are not offering our prayers to an idol made of stone made of hands made with human hands made with anything else we are talking about the one true God the creator of all that is he is worthy of honor he is worthy of our praise first is a concern for his reverence Secondly, as a concern for God's kingdom. Jesus said, your kingdom come. (laughs) There's a reason why we call him King Jesus. His kingdom come. See, the kingdom comes gradually as people allow Christ to rule in their hearts. And hear me on this. Christ will ultimately rule one day over all that is. At His name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, we ought to live and we ought to pray as if we expected the Lord to return for His bride at any moment. See, if we honestly believed that the Lord... Would return today. If we believed that. Then we would live differently. And we would pray differently. But what has happened is we have been lulled to sleep. By the things of this world. See, when we get humble before the Lord, we're going to see his kingdom come. And we would pray more for strength. We would pray more for wisdom. We would pray more for courage to carry out the work of the Lord. To be the witness that we need to be. That he's called us to be. That he's redeemed us to be. And stop shrinking back and say, well, I don't want to lose a friend. I don't want to crumble in fear. I don't want to shrink back and not be a witness for the one who saved me for all eternity. See our our prayers would be less focused on our personal wants and desires and more upon the will of God being accomplished through us. Folks, there are still souls to be saved. There, are still a lot, there is still a lot of work to be done. But you see, our Lord is coming soon. And I believe sooner than we ever could imagine. We should live and pray like we fully expect that to happen at any moment. Third, Jesus points out a concern for doing the will of God. He says, your will be done on earth As it is in heaven. See, prayer must be offered in an attitude of submission to the will of God. We ought to desire His will in every aspect of our lives. He is God, and He knows what's best for us. We think we know what's best for us, but He is actually the one who created us, and He knows what is best for us. We should never desire anything that is outside the will of God. Because I assure you that if you do and you get that thing that's outside of the will of God, you won't want it once you get it. God has our best interests at heart. He loves us. He desires us. We ought to pray that God's will will be accomplished upon this earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. Notice also that Jesus wanted his followers To pray for human needs. See, prayer involves the practical issues in our lives. Prayer involves the practical issues in our lives. Jesus wanted his followers to pray for daily provisions. He said, pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. To ask him and to be dependent upon him... As the one who provides for us. See, this speaks to our awareness every single day of our need for God. We think we've got life pretty well figured out, don't we? I mean, our needs are met. We've got food to eat. We've got a roof over our head. We have fresh drinking water. Our needs are pretty much met. And so we, exi- uh, we, we put forth our independence from God. I got this, God. I'm good. But you see, what Jesus is teaching His disciples to pray is that they have a dependence every single day upon God. That we need Him every hour. There's not one day that we do not need His provision in our lives. I mean, recognize that everything that you have... Whatever God has put into your hands, He is the one who has put it there. All that we have, all of the sustenance of life that we receive comes from God. So I want to say, be content with your daily bread and stop looking at your neighbor's slice. See, with contentment, with contentment, that's wanting what you already have, contentment. We also need to notice that this is not an attitude of greed or selfishness. It's not a prayer that says, well, I, I need your provision for the next six months, Lord. I need your provision for the, the rest of my life. I need, it's not something that looks down the road, but it's, it's, it's right here, right now. It speaks of daily fellowship and dependence upon the Lord. Not weeks at a time, not months at a time, but daily fellowship with Him. See, the Israelites, they had to depend upon God when they were walking through the wilderness, when they were journeying through the wilderness. They had to depend on God each and every day. He never failed them. And He will never fail us either. He loves us. See, we are very fortunate that life does not come at us all at once. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Because if we were to stack that up, we couldn't take it. But the way God has designed it is for us to walk with Him and be dependent upon Him each and every day. And He will supply what is needed for that day. You know what is found in Christianity? Which is not found in any other religion? I'm going to tell you in just a moment. That question was asked at a seminar featuring several prominent theologians. C.S. Lewis was invited to that seminar, and he was going to be there, but he got stuck in traffic. And they had this panel of distinguished theologians, and they asked this question, What is different about Christianity? What is found in Christianity that is not found in any other religion? And after the better part of an hour went by, C.S. Lewis finally showed up. Gifted author, brilliant thinker. He walked in and they posed the question to him. And this is what he said. He said, oh, that's simple. It's the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. That's really what draws us to Christianity. The forgiveness of our sin. We can't work it off. We won't be good enough to do it. But when our sin is forgiven us, I mean, I believe that's why we're all here. We were and are still in need of the forgiveness of our sins. And only Christianity provides that in the blood of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus also wanted his followers to pray for daily pardon, daily pardon. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is huge because every day we do wrong. Every day we fail to do good. We don't treat others right, even our own brothers and sisters, even our own family members. So forgiveness is needed. And Jesus reveals to us that that we are to confess our wrongdoings and our sin to the Lord and seek His forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, the Gospel of Luke uses the word sins instead of debts. When we accept Jesus as our Savior... When we receive Him into our life, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within us. He takes up residence within us. It is the indwelling Holy Spirit. And He seals us until the day of redemption. There is nothing can keep us from that. You see, we are secure in the Lord. But this fleshly body that we live in is not saved. As we continue to dwell in this body of flesh, we will have the capacity to sin. And we will continue to sin. Wretched man that I am. When will I be through with this body of death that is attached to me? See, we will continue to sin, but we have been pardoned from the penalty of sin. Praise God, we are not going to get what we deserve. We've been pardoned from the penalty of sin. But coming short of what God desires is a reality in our lives. We recognize that. So with fear and trembling, we are working out our salvation and the power of sin in our lives. The Apostle Paul talks about it when he talks about crucifying the flesh. For it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We have to crucify the flesh. Someday we will enter God's presence to live with Him forever. And we will finally be removed from the presence of sin. See, we've been removed from the penalty of sin. We don't, we're not going to get what we deserve. And we're working out the power of sin so that we don't sin as much. But someday we're going to be removed from the presence of sin and we won't even have to worry about it. But see, that's what he's saying. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those who have sinned against us. The Holy Spirit brings conviction in our lives to us when we sin and we must be willing to confess those sins. What happens is the Holy Spirit comes to us. We won't confess because we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't come clean before God because we don't want to look weak. We don't want to express our daily dependence upon him. But you know what? When we repent and when we confess our sin, Scripture tells us He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I... I changed the brakes and the rotors on my son's car yesterday. His truck, Joshua's truck. Replaced all of them. And when I got done, my hands were filthy. They were dirty. There was stuff shoved up under my nails, and it was filthy. And you probably wouldn't think a whole lot of me if I came to the Lord's house looking like that. But you see, just like (laughs) that orange pumice stuff that I rubbed on my hands and got all over just like the dawn detergent that I scrub my nails with and a toothbrush. This, the blood of Jesus washes us clean. So that we can come before a holy God and offer ourselves to Him. See, you wouldn't want to drink out of a dirty cup and neither would I. And neither does the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit brings conviction and we have to be willing to to be washed of that. To put ourselves where we can confess that sin in the presence of God. Confess it so it doesn't hinder our relationship with Him. We can't expect to enjoy a closeness with our Lord or experience His power if we are harboring sin in our hearts. We have to come clean before Him. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Just like that grime on my hands, our sin is grime on our hearts that prevents us from coming before Almighty God. See, we're all thankful for the forgiveness that has been extended to us. But many times we're not willing, we're not willing to extend and show the same compassion to others. I mean, if the members of the family aren't getting along, how can they claim to have a right relationship with the Father? See, in and of ourselves, we can't merit salvation. In loving compassion, Jesus forgave us, and he commands us to forgive others as well. Ephesians 4, 23 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. See, I can't tell you how much hurt and damage has come to the church and the work of the Lord due to a lack of compassion and unwillingness to offer forgiveness. People, we are less than perfect, every one of us. We all make mistakes. And we must have compassion and a forgiving spirit towards one another. See, when people fail, I'm almost done. When people fail, don't rub it in. Rub it out. Forgive it. Move on. Jesus also tells us we need to pray for daily protection. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, as believers, we should ask to escape hardships, but when they come, we should also ask God for strength. Because God always desires what is best for us. He will always lead us on the right path. We will never go wrong or stray from the will of God when we Follow His guidance. See, that's the key. Following Him. Because many times, we want to do what we want to do. And we really don't care. But there's only two ways we can say it. Your will or my will. Your will or my will. Listen, we must pray continually for wisdom and discernment as we walk this road, this journey called life. There is so much junk that you and I encounter every single day. So much junk. Stuff that that doesn't even belong in our life, that's not pleasing to the Lord. So I'm encouraging you this morning to study His Word, to seek Him in fellowship, to remain in an attitude of prayer, and your life will be much deeper, it will be much fuller, and it will be filled with the peace and joy of the Lord. But what happens is we want to do things our way and we get away from him. And we we do things the way we want to do it. And so then we wonder why we are struggling. We wonder why there's no joy. We wonder why there's no peace. We wonder where the love and the compassion go in our lives. And part of it is because we have said no, not your will, but my will. I can't make it any plainer. Either we're living... For ourselves, or we're living for Him. Those two are not compatible. It's one or the other Him or me. See, Jesus gave His followers the goal of all prayers. He said, The purpose of all prayers exists for the good of His kingdom. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. These words are a fitting mountain peak to the prayer. Every petition of our prayer should ultimately exist for the good of God's kingdom. And finally, Jesus wanted his followers to close with an acknowledgement of God. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That word glory means the reputation of God. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and your reputation forever. See, we should always recognize the sovereignty, the power, the majesty, the glory, and the eternal nature of our God. I assure you that if you seek who He is and what He is about, that your life will be ultimately blessed beyond measure than what you could make it about. See, when we do that, our prayer life is transformed. When we come to the place where we recognize the essence of God, of who He is, we will pray with greater assurance and greater boldness. See, I believe that many times we could cut part of our prayer off the front end, part of it off the back end. And if we just had some fire in the middle, God would hear our prayers. See, we absolutely face nothing in this world that our eternal sovereign God cannot handle. So seek Him in praise and recognition because our God is awesome. Our God is worthy of all that we can do. I go back to what I said at the very beginning. We are seeking the glory of His name and we're stepping out in faith. Would you do that? Would you trust Him in that this morning? Maybe you've never responded to Christ. Maybe you've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for your sin. Would you do that this morning? Maybe you're here. And you know what? You've just drifted away from the Lord. Maybe today is the day you come back to Him. Today's the day you say yes Lord. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for your word. Thank you Lord Jesus for showing us how to pray. Showing us how to Reverence our Father. Lord, I pray that in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts. Father, we know when things aren't right, and we push it down. Father, we know when you're trying to reach us, and we're wanting to run the other way, Father, we know when things aren't right between us and you. We know when things aren't right between us and others. Father, we know when you are convicting our hearts of things that that shouldn't be. Father, I know it grieves my heart and I know it grieves your heart. So, Father, I pray that your Spirit would show us the truth. And, Father, that today we would pray in faith, knowing that you are a righteous God, knowing that you are a loving Father who loves us and desires your best for us. Father, that we would just lay ourselves at your feet. Say, God, cleanse us, wash us clean. Help us to be what you desire us to be for your glory, for your kingdom, for your honor. Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we have a time of response. That, Father, we would make it about you and not about us. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.